If you suffer from hay, how many people here ever suffer from hay fever? I want you to leave your seats, come on the platform. We're going to pray for you and believe that we're going to deal with some of this stuff. There's nothing worse. Well, I imagine I haven't had it. My wife suffers from it. Then you've got a beautiful day that God has made and you're wiping your eyes and blowing your nose and taking those pills that knock you out. I just, I just felt earlier on today that we should really pray today. Miracles for deliverance signs from hay fever. And, wonders. and I'm going to need those of you that don't suffer from hay fever to pray very strongly with me. Today, we want to drive hay fever out. We want people Miracles. to be able to enjoy the, Lord, the day the Lord has made and have that freedom in their sinuses and their eyes. And um, if you've never suffered from hay fever or you don't have somebody in your family that suffers from hay fever, you might think, well, is it really that big a deal? Yeah, it really is. It really, it really takes away from, takes the, the gloss off things, doesn't it? And those pills that people take, they're called, they, they say they're non-drowsy, but they still knock you out. Hey, hallelujah. You are a healer. As you come on the platform, just lift your hands open to the Lord and just right now begin to receive. You are a healer. Miracles, signs and wonders. Rest of the congregation, yeah, you're already doing it. Pray for those that are on the platform and bring them on the platform so you can see who you're praying for. Pray that they be delivered from this thing. Not just healed, but delivered from this thing. Send your spirit to heal us. To deliver us. Set us free. Miracle signs and wonders. our faith to you, miracle signs and wonders, we believe, that's right, pray for the sick and they shall recover, we believe, we believe. prayer tonight for our brothers and sisters on the platform. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will fall upon them right now. A fresh touch of your anointing. Lord, would you visit with them this evening, we pray. Would you pour out streams of healing power, not just for their hay fever, but for any other symptom or any other thing that you are suffering on this platform right now, we're going to pray God to do a healing work from the top of your heads to the soles of your feet. Not just hay fever, but everything right now. Father, would you pour out your spirit on this platform right now? The spirit of the healing, 
the spirit of deliverance be come upon you in the name of Jesus be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus of Nazareth be healed be freed let miracles fall from heaven gifts of miracles bought with the precious blood of Jesus let them come now in the name of Jesus unto every single life take authority over all forms of hay fever in the name of Jesus we speak to hay fever and its root of hay fever in the name of Jesus come out of God's people in Jesus name be healed from hay fever in the name of Jesus by the power of the working of the Holy Spirit Lord Holy Spirit come into your the lives of your children here right now and we ask you and pray that you would do what you do the work of Jesus in people's lives we pray that these symptoms would leave we pray that they'll be able to enjoy every day that the Lord gives that they won't be looking at the pollen count and thinking oh no look at the pollen count tomorrow or the next day father have mercy do this thing we pray in the name of Jesus the top of their heads, the soles of their feet. We address every symptom, every ailment, every sickness, every problem in the body, every problem in the mind, every problem in the ear, in the sight, in the muscles and the bones, in the stomach regions, in the name of Jesus, be healed. We take authority over blood disorders, be healed, anemia, be healed from anemia and related symptoms in the name of Jesus. Eye problems. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Problems in the leg areas, mobility. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, let it, let it just fall. Let it just fall right now. Healing rain. Let it fall on the platform. Lord, for those that are in the congregation, let healing rain fall on them right now. Let this place, Lord, let there be like a monsoon of healing rain. You said that you would pour out the former and the latter rain, the rain of your spirit. So we ask that in this place today, Lord, that you would pour out healing rain. You would touch your people at their point of physical need. Let your glory fall. Let your presence increase. Let your will be done. Because yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And we ask for more of your kingdom in our lives tonight. We pray for great delivering power. Delivering power of the Holy Spirit in our emotions in our mind and our body. We pray for a great work of the Holy Spirit in every single life. Lord, every person has a different need and there is a different working of the Spirit in every person according to the will of the Father. So we release the working of God in our lives, our spiritual lives, as well as our physical lives. We say, Lord, do something powerful in each life here tonight. Not just tonight, but let we bless the work of the Spirit. In every one of our lives, God is at work. Every one of our lives, God is seeking to work. In every one of our lives, God has a will. And as we cooperate with the power of the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God that's at work in our lives, God is going to do a great things. God is a God of purpose, a God of order, a God of plan, a God of destiny. In every one of our lives individually, God is working. Don't think that you're just going from day to day. You might think you're going from day to day and week by week, but God is working. And God is working unknown to some of us, and God is working in our knowledge. But God wants to connect you to his purposes of your life. 
He's mending the nets of discipleship for a great catch. It's part of my sermon later, but I, I feel prophetically as the healing of God, I believe, is falling on our bodies and our lives, that God is mending his nets. And it's amazing how Jesus, when he called those first disciples, the fishermen, some of them were casting their nets, and he said, come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Others of them were mending their nets, and he called them and said, come and follow me. And the Lord is mending our nets. Your, 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 your life is like a net. God wants you to carry the blessing. He wants to cast your life like a net, a kingdom net in the sea of this world so that you can bring in a harvest, not just of souls, but so that you could do everything God wants you. God wants to pour out blessing on the church. He wants to pour out a harvest on the church. But you see, if he tells us to cast the nets of the kingdom into the waters of the Spirit, and if those nets have holes in, then it doesn't matter how much bounty there is in the waters of the Spirit, or the sea of the Spirit in this analogy, then whenever we try to gather in that fish, that provision, they'll just swim through the point of the hole. So God is working. And I see a picture of the Lord by the sea. And the sea is full of abundance, a great harvest. But he's sitting on a rock in this picture, and he's got a net over his lap. And that net is your life. He's mending it. He's cleansing it. He's mending it. He's repairing the holes. He's making it fit for service so that he can cast us as individuals and as individuals together as a church. He can use us as a great kingdom casting net to bring in the kingdom harvest in all its forms so Lord rest upon us right now continue your work in our lives teach us to cooperate with you teach us to respond to what you're doing in our lives Lord that it could be a quick mending that we could be mended and used for the kingdom of God and those purposes and plans you have for us that they would come to pass. Great are your plans for us, Lord. They're not little, they're not worthless, but you have a plan for each one of us. We're not here by accident, we're here by divine call. We don't just happen to be Christians. You called us into the kingdom, just like you called Peter and his brother. You called them into the fishing business and you said, caught fish but now you're going to catch men Lord you want us to make a difference in people's lives we pray that you do that in Jesus mighty name Amen Amen wonderful please take your seats those on the platform I hope that as we prayed that you believe God that God's done something I'm looking forward to hearing from you email me or let me know at the coming services you've had freedom from this hay fever thing we want to hear from that to encourage other people is there anybody here tonight and you're you're suffering currently or it's something that's um, it might not be happening at this precise moment but you know day by day you you suffer from ringing in the ear buzzing in the ear or ringing in the ear it might be tinnitus it might not be is there anybody that suffers from that yeah, come back on the platform. I just want to lay hands on you. Yeah. Noises in the ear, ringing in the ear. I believe. Pray for you right now. I believe. If you're in the platform, don't worry. We'll wait for you. I come believe. Down. Lay hands. I believe God will do something. Miracle sign right wonder. I believe. I believe. Signs and wonder. 
Sometimes these things come and go, but has anybody noticed a difference already here on the platform? A change? Can anybody testify? Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Anybody notice a difference right now? signs that God is working here. What's your name? Angela. Angela, what's this problem that you've been having in your ear? Yeah, I've been having the noise in my ear and for the past years. How many years? Yeah, and itchy every day. But right now, it's not itchy. Uh, did you come in with it itching? Yeah, it's every day, every time. Have you been to doctors or anything? Yeah, I've been. They've given me pre prescription medication, but it continued. But right now, I'm not hearing any noise. I'm not hearing anything. It's not itching me. That's wonderful news. Well, let's believe that you keep letting us know. We want to know that this thing has gone for good. Anybody else? I know these things come and go, but I just wondered if there's anybody else got anything that wants... Yeah, come. And your name is? Susie. Susie, uh, what's your been the problem with your ear? Ringing on this ear. It comes and goes. But right now, it's not... How long is it? Quite a few years, I think, up to six years. Was it, are we having problems with it today? Um, today is, it's not ringing now, but it, like I said, it comes and goes. And um, I don't know whether it was related to the hair fever, intense hair fever I used to have, but it's not ringing at the moment. Okay, all right, well, we're believing that God's, God's at work. Anybody else feel anything? All right, wonderful, take, well, the test is, isn't it? that it doesn't ring again. That's what we're believing. So let us know. You know, I know that ringing doesn't always happen totally all the time in your ears, but let us know if something happened. Miracle signs and wonders. Amen. Let your kingdom come. If you've got your Bibles, if you could turn to... Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. I want to thank some of you that got in touch with me in the course of the last week um, to testify. Last week we were, we were speaking on, on the subject of the courtroom of the mind. And uh, just to remind some of you that we were speaking about how the devil, his name is Satan and he's an accuser. That's his name. But the Holy Spirit is called the helper. Or in John 14 and John 16, uh, the word used is advocate. It's a legal term. And the devil accuses you, but if you're in Christ, then the Holy Spirit defends you. He'll never condemn you. He's on your side. He's called alongside. And we ministered about how in our minds, often we have 
thoughts bringing us down, accusing us, depressing us. And those thoughts, many times, they come from Satan. But also the Holy Spirit is taking the word of God in our lives and he's defending us and he's encouraging us and he's speaking good things into our lives. And we, we ministered on that and I had a number of people contact me, spoke to a few verbally and had some emails about how it had... Uh, well, one person said that, it, that, that after hearing it, they feel delivered from depression and that they feel that something broke in their mind out of those things. Another have said that it helped them, that they understood a lot more why they were going through some of these negative thoughts and how to deal with it. So thank you for that. Luke chapter 5, a miraculous catch. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land... They left everything and followed him. Powerful story. So many things are happening at so many different levels in this story. But if we back up a little bit and see the context of this passage, we know that uh, in Luke chapter 4, we begin with the testing of Jesus. He's been um, baptized by John, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's launching his ministry the devil comes and tests his mettle. And Jesus passes the test. And then in Luke 4, verse 18, he gives his ministry manifesto. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then he begins to preach and minister, and he starts in the synagogues. He starts in the synagogue in Nazareth, straight after announcing this manifesto, and uh, they don't like what he said, but he walks right through them. They don't touch him. He then, in verse 31 of chapter 4, goes from Nazareth into the region, an area of Capernaum, the city and region of Capernaum, and there he's teaching them on the Sabbath again. He is in a synagogue in verse 33, and he delivers somebody from demonic oppression. And then later on at the end of the chapter, we see in chapter 4, verse 40, well, 43, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom in other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So we see at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was going to the synagogues. Or if you like, he was going to the churches. He was going to places like this and he was preaching at the services and he was casting out demons and he was preaching the gospel and people were getting healed and people were getting saved. He was sticking to the synagogues of God's people. We also know that during this time he began to minister in houses. In verse 38, Luke chapter 4, Jesus was having a homegroom fellowship, a cell fellowship. And he, is in the, he leaves the synagogue where he's ministered, goes into Simon's house heals Simon's mother-in-law, 
rebukes the fever, and she serves him. And there, people brought to him in this house many that were sick and had various diseases, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them and delivered them from demons. So this was the beginning of his ministry. But in chapter 5, his ministry goes from the synagogue and the cell group, and it goes right out into the fishing industry, to the workplace. And there he is standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he sees two boats by the lake. And the fishermen aren't fishing at this time. What they're doing is they are cleaning their nets, washing their nets. Now, we know because we've read the story that they hadn't had a very good night. In fact, they'd caught nothing. And so they were a bit down, a bit depressed. You know, this was their livelihood. They'd spent all night. They were exhausted. It was morning. They hadn't had any sleep. But they know that they have to clean the nets and get those prepared, get them washed so they don't decay, uh, and, and so that when it's time again to go out, they can do that. And uh, Jesus came to them and asked them a strange question. He said, can I use your boat in order to minister to the people? So from normal synagogue worship and teaching and cell group, now we find Jesus right out using in the fishing industry what was ever was at hand as a platform for their ministry. He used their boats, their working tools for his ministry. There they were, doing the most, one of the most mundane parts of the fishing business, washing your nets. Another mundane part of the fishing business was mending your nets. You know, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, I won't turn to it, but just for your notes, Matthew 4, 18, we find that Jesus calling Peter to follow him, he was there casting his nets. They weren't in the boats, they were just doing some shore fishing, just going knee deep into the water and casting their nets in order to bring in some small fish. You know, if you've ever been in the sea and you, you start to paddle into the sea, and if it's sea that you can see through, you can see all the little fish, can't you? It's all the little fish that are, that are up there. You know that the big fish, fish are, are deeper in the sea. They're not silly enough to come out uh, to, to that place. It's, ti it's tiny fish. And so they were casting just in the shallows. And Jesus said, I, why don't you follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then he found some of the other disciples, and they were mending their nets. And he said the same thing to them in Matthew 4. He said, come and follow me. And they left their nets. It's interesting that he called them while they were doing the boring bit. Mending fishing nets is extremely boring and mundane, especially if you've got a lot of nets that need mending. You just, if you've ever seen them on TV, they just sit in there and they're just, it's like, it's, like a need, it's like a massive big needle and thread. And they're fixing it and they're strengthening weak parts and they're making sure that if there's any holes. And during this mundane, tiring, boring thing that can last hours and hours depending on whether those nets have pulled along the rocks or got caught in anything under the sea, that, that this mending process could feel like, well, it's not the thrill of casting a net, but it was absolutely essential in order to, to, to make sure you were ready when the fish came in that shoal. The secret of your future is in your daily routine. And the secret of these disciples' future was in their daily routine. Who'd have thought that Jesus would have chosen for his disciples' Fishermen, fishermen. You'd have thought that he'd have gone down to the local Bible schools, Hillel uh, and Shemaliel, and, and gone and found a young Saul or who was going to become Paul. Why didn't he go straight to the cream of the crop, to the ministers in training, to those who were being schooled, who, who'd spent their whole life in Bible school, studying the scriptures, studying how to minister in the synagogue, studying how to teach effectively. The next crop of rabbis, he didn't go to them, but he went to these fishermen. Now, they would have had a basic schooling in the things of God, but they were amazed in the book of Acts when these fishermen were ministering. They were saying, how can such uneducated men speak with such power 
and conviction. And their, their lives did not begin on the day that Jesus called them to follow him. God was at work in their lives from the moment that they were born. God had called them from the moment that they were born. Jeremiah said, from, from my mother's womb, God put his hand upon me and called me for a great ministry. Paul in Galatians chapter 1 echoed Jeremiah, saying that he too understood that even when he was a baby in the womb, that God had already called him. And what that means is that everything that happened to Paul and everything that happened to these fishermen and everything that happens to you, if you know the Lord tonight, from the, from, from the moment you're in your mother's womb, God was superintending. God was working and preparing you for a calling and a destiny to be a fisher of men. And so here, these apostles, they were fishing, they were casting their nets, and they were mending those nets. And that routine, that was going to be the making of them. You see, Jesus said, you know, you've been fishing all your lives. He said it here at the end of the great miracle. He said it when he first spoke to them. He said, you've been catching fish. But all that's been training for you to catch men. You're going to be fishers of men. They had no idea. And so when they are there with their boats in their daily life, in, in their life where they might think, well, how does this fit in with the kingdom of God? We're just mending our nets, cleaning our nets. When we're going out on our boats, we're not very successful. We're not really making a living. We're not, not at the moment. What's this got to do? Is God really interested in us? No, he's probably at the Bible school with the Pharisees, with the young souls of this generation. They're the ones that, that God's shaping up to use. But actually, they were in a better place than Hillel Bible College. They were right where God wanted them to be. You are right where God wants you to be. But God is going to use your daily routine the things that you have experienced, the things that you have learnt. He's been fashioning you from the day that you were born. The good things that have happened to you. The successes that have happened to you. But also the bad things that have happened to you. The things Satan has done for you. All these things God is using to, to bring you to a place where you can be an effective net for God. So he said to them, I want to use your life, your business, your daily place of work as a platform for my ministry. What a beautiful picture of the, the giants of society. Here at Kensington Temple, we equip our cell members to be salt and light right where they are in society. No one can say, oh, well, you know, God doesn't want me to minister or to, or to work for him because I, I, I'm, in the, I'm in medicine or I'm in health. Uh, health and medicine, or I'm in education, or, or actually I'm interested in politics, or, uh, or, or, what, or sport, or leisure, or whatever it is that you're involved in out there. No one can say, well, what's this got to do with the kingdom of God? He went to some fishermen and said, give me your business as a platform to preach the gospel. And Jesus says the same to us. Whatever you do, whatever you are, whether you're in college right now, whether you're an apprentice right now, wherever you're working, whether you're, you're waiting on tables right now, wherever you are, and however mundane, I'm not saying everybody's life is mundane, but the day in, the Monday to Friday grind, the getting up, going on the tube, the getting to work, the doing it, the coming back, the doing it, the coming back, the doing it, the coming back, and, and you think, what's this got to do? God is using that to shape you, to form you, to educate you. One of the Greatest spiritual educations I ever got was when I went to Bible school. But it wasn't necessarily in Bible school. After I'd done a theology degree, I came down to Kensington Temple to get trained on the cutting edge. And so I went to the Bible school for a year. And um, as they are today, Monday to Friday, most of the lectures and training was during the morning, about 9 o'clock till 1 o'clock. And... Um, my father was very gracious to me at the time. He paid for my Bible school fees. But he says, but you'll have to go to work to look after yourself in London. Which annoyed me. Because number one, he could afford it. And number two, I was going to spend my afternoon and evenings ministering. And volunteering in the church. And now I had to go out and get a job. 
And so I went down, and so I got a job. And I got a job opposite Holy Trinity Brompton. Have you ever been to Holy Trinity Brompton? Why? I thought you were kidding. No, you <laughs> Caught you. Well, opposite Holy Trinity Brompton, there's like a shop. And I think it sells now very expensive furniture and, and lamps and things. But at that time, it was called the reject shop. And so I got a job at the reject shop. We didn't sell rejects, but that was our name. It was ridiculous. It's like somebody, you'd be selling it. What's wrong with it? There's nothing wrong with it. Well, there must be something wrong with it. You're called the reject shop. No, we're called the reject shop because everybody knows us as the reject shop. But you don't sell rejects. No, we don't. So why do you? And then they changed it after I'd left to RJ's. Now it's home cargo. Well, I, I'd work there every afternoon into the evening. And, um, and, and to begin with, I thought, what am I doing here? This isn't the anointing. I shouldn't even be working in a reject shop because it's negative confession. <laughs> and all that sort of stuff in a young Bible school. Well, cut the long story short, to begin with, I didn't like it. I was hoping that Dad would step in and say, look, you know, he didn't know. But by the end of the year, although I learned a lot at Bible college, some of the key things that shaped me and formed me was my time in, the, in that shop. The relationships that were formed, the situations that I found myself in, the, the, the stuff that happened to me there, also the mundane sometimes, boring, day by day, hour by hour, and when nothing was happening. All these things, I won't go too much in detail because I think I've made the point, all these things shaped me and prepared me as much as any Bible school morning. And then I realized at the end of it, after it, when I reflected on it, when I got some feedback from the reject shop, when it was my, when they gave me a party to go off, I didn't realize I'd made an impact that I had and the things that they said. And I reflected on that year and I realized that God had put me in the school of the spirit, you know, all day. And that the lectures and the ministry in the morning and all that was, was important, but just as important was that which I didn't think was necessary to form me. He used their common day, everyday place as a platform of his ministry. God wants to use you, wherever you are, as a platform for his ministry. You're his hands. You're his voice. Your acts of love and kindness. Your integrity right where you are. Your exhibiting of the fruit of the Spirit. Your patience, your kindness, your love. All these things or a platform for the ministry of Christ when you are able to share who you are and why you're a Christian and as you build up that credibility, genuinely so, genuinely caring for the people that are around you, your colleagues, those that are studying with you, your neighbors. It's a platform for Jesus' ministry as much as these boats were a platform for his ministry. We need to understand that or we won't properly understand how the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. I don't want you to be like I was in those early days in the reject shop, thinking, what am I doing here today again? I shouldn't be here. I should be praying for the sick. I should be preaching at a seven o'clock service and getting ready and all that lot. You know, but God was doing something powerful in those times that I was dismissing as, as, not, purpose, as not purposeful. I wanted to be casting the net. I didn't want to be washing the nets. didn't want to be mending the nets. I didn't want that, that sort of discipline that was going on in my life, but, but God is at work. That's a word for some of us that are, that are here today. But the other thing is, is that in this particular environment, the disciples were washing their nets, but they had no vision for a miracle. They had no expectation for a miracle to come right where they were in their area that they considered to be their expertise. Remember when the carpenter told the fishermen to cast out their nets in the deep? And they turned to the carpenter and they said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, carpenter, we'll do it again. You know, there's a, that, that's, a, that's a heavy laden phrase. In other words, in their area of expertise, in the place that they were working, 
in the place that they were familiar. They had no vision for a miracle to come into their lives. They had no vision that the washing of nets could be in, a prep in preparation for a life-changing miracle. They had no understanding that the daily grind of mending a net, that maybe they should mend those nets a bit stronger, make them a bit thicker. Who knows? Perhaps there could be a miraculous catch. They had no vision of the future changing to what they'd, from what they'd already experienced. I'm sure that they'd caught fish in the past and had some decent catches, but their future in their mind was dominated by their past. As it has been, so it will always be. And so they were caught out when Jesus said to them, go and cast your, your, your nets out. They weren't expecting the God factor, the divine factor. They weren't expecting God to invade and do something that he's never done before. And um, they had separated the sacred from the secular. That's one of the big dangers of today, isn't it? That's what the government and, and, and that's what liberal fascism wants, wants to do. It wants to separate your faith from education. Separate your faith from school. Separate your faith from college. Separate your faith from work. Separate your faith from, so, from, from, from uh, your community. Sep they want to separate the two so that your faith doesn't impact your, your daily work. Well, they had separated their faith from the secular, not that there is anything such as secular in God's view. All the world is his, including the fishing market. And so in their mind, there was Jesus preaching the gospel. Well, praise the Lord, he might as well use the boats because uh, we weren't catching any fish. But they had no idea that a carpenter could have any power over, over the fishing industry. They had no idea that the Messiah, who was healing the sick, praise God, Casting out demons, praise the Lord, and dealing with people's spiritual problems. That was brilliant. They were enjoying that. Jesus was taking the world by storm. But they had no idea that, number one, he would have any interest in the fishing industry. Number two, that he would have any expertise in the fishing industry. And number three, that he could actually be a better fisherman than anybody who had ever lived before or after him. And so... They did it, but they didn't believe for it. They didn't expect it. And Jesus said, go out into the deep. It wasn't any of this, stay in the shallows, throw out your net for the little fish. It was all or nothing. Jesus said, go out into the deep. So they went out into the deep, and they let down their nets. And when they did, they couldn't believe what was happening. They had such numbers of fish that the nets were breaking. There were too many fish. They called to everybody they could to get in on what was going on at that time. The whole fishing industry was called out. Every boat that they could, they could find was there. If there'd been any fishermen there, they'd have, they, would, they would have all gone out to get it because now was the time when the fish were coming. Even the boats weren't prepared for what was going on. They weren't big enough they hadn't been created to have such a catch. There was no expectation for this type of miraculous thing to take place in their lives, to go into the deep. They were unprepared for what God was doing. And um, they were shocked. Look at this. G Simon Peter, a seasoned fishing, fi fisherman, fell down. You can see him at the picture behind me. Fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. They had put a limit on what they believed Jesus, the Messiah, could do. They were not prepared for it. I'm not going to go into it, but you'll find at the, at the end of John's gospel, Jesus does a similar thing. When he's raised from the dead, they're fishing again, and he tells them to cast their net on the other side. But this time, Peter knows exactly what that voice was. And they cast the net, and immediately Peter says, it is the Lord. The shock of when 
Christ speaks a word and intervenes. And this reminds me a little bit of a picture of revival, of what God wants to do, not just in our personal lives, but in the life of the church. He said to them, he made a direct link between catching fish and catching human beings, didn't he? A direct link. He said to them, and how encouraging must this have been? When they were all afraid, shocked, he said, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. This demonstration was not just a demonstration of Jesus' power over creation. It was not just his demonstration of superabundance. But it was to show them what they could expect when they turned their hand, not to fishing fish, but to fishing for men. That's very encouraging, isn't it? He didn't say, imagine if he'd come to them before this act and said, have you caught much? We haven't, we've been out all night, Jesus. We've caught nothing. Okay, you want a bit more of the same? Come with me. From now on, you'll no longer catch nothing in boats, but come on and we'll, we'll, we'll just catch a few human beings here or there, a few tiddlers in the shallows. Imagine if, they, imagine if that was the model. Yet often in churches today, and maybe in our individual lives, we sort of think, hey, where are all the souls? Where is revival? Where are people getting saved? And we feel like we've been out all night or however long, and we've caught no souls for the Lord. And we're thinking, you know, will any, and, and maybe we're sort of, we, we've given up casting our nets, giving up sharing our faith, both in deed and word. Maybe we sort of like, well, what's the point, Lord? I tried it once, it didn't work. What's the point, Lord? They were resistant when I, my work friends or my colleagues or my neighbors, I, I, I mentioned it, they were resistant, so I thought, what's the point? They're not interested in being caught for the kingdom. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight, and perhaps Jesus is speaking to you, and it's time for you to be caught for the kingdom, for the net to come into your life, for you to be brought into the kingdom of God. And you thought, what's the point? Will we ever have our breakthrough? Well, that's exactly what the disciples would have felt. They had no idea what God was preparing them for. And so this miracle was not just about fish, although by the time they sold that fish, they would have made a lot of money that would keep them in the ministry full time for a long while. It was a provision as well. But it was also a picture to them of what God was going to do and how he's going to use it. Not only is it a picture them, it's a picture for us. For each one of us has also been called to be fishers of men. Just because you may or I may feel that we've been fishing all night without a catch, believe me, God is preparing for a miraculous catch in all its manifestations. The winning of souls, but also in other areas where you've been faithful to the Lord but you've had little come in. One day, God is going to send his bounty. One day, God is going to call the fish. He's going to call, he's, he's going to bring the blessing. And the mending of the nets and the long night that you may be going through in your personal life regarding souls or regarding other things and promises of the kingdom of God, these are all part of God's preparation for the moment that the miracle comes. God once spoke to me. He, he spoke to me as clear, clear as, I, as in my heart, as clear as I can tell you. I know he spoke to me. And it was as I came through a, a test, a difficulty, and I got, got through it, and the Lord, I felt the Lord's affirmation. I hadn't, hadn't got through it perfectly, but I got through it. And it was like, well, well done. You got there in the end. You got through the test. I thought, oh, thanks, that's good, that's good. And he says, but you're not ready for my greatest test yet. I thought, oh no, what's that? And all the worst things in the world I could think of went through my head. And then I heard, heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. He said, you're not ready for, well, it wasn't these exact words, but it was something like that. You're not ready for my greatest test yet. And I was like, well, what's that? Thinking it was going to be something awful. And he said, you're not ready yet for the test of my blessing. And you see, were these people ready for the test of his blessing? They were after that night. I mean, I mean if, they had, if they had caught fish, maybe not the amount, but if they had all that, if they were, they were catching good fish, and Jesus said, take your, 
take your nets out and cast on the other side. They'd say, no, we don't need to, thanks. We caught all the fish we need. We don't need to go out. We've got everything we need. We're not interested in doing what you're telling us to do or believing you or trusting you. We've got the fish. Oh, well, you're going to give us some more fish? Well, fine, we've already got fish. You see, if they're in the place of blessing, they'd have never come to the place of need or the place of appreciation of what happened. And part of the reason that Peter was on his knees saying stay was because he knew what it was to have toiled all night and to have nothing. He was ready for that point of blessing. And so at many times God will allow us just to sit there mending our nets, cleaning our nets, and we're thinking we've been out all night or when's it going? But listen to me, you better you better prepare those nets. In those, in those, you know, the future, the secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. What God's doing in your life, the tough bits, the difficult bits, the daily bits, the routine, there's purpose in it. God is a God of purpose. It's not purposelessness. You say, I'm just mending these nets and there's no fish. I'm washing these nets. I'm doing this and I can't see any breakthrough. I can't. It's not purposeless. In fact, what do you do? Mend those nets better. Serve your boss better. Do what you're doing better. Make it stronger. Where you find purposelessness, put your strength into it. Where you think it's mundane, don't give up. Trust God. Because what you're doing is you're preparing a net. And if we're not bothered about the daily routine. If we're not bothered about the night of no catch, if we're not bothered about mending the nets, of getting discipline in our life, order in our life, getting, getting to learn how to keep on keeping on. It's one of the greatest advices I could give you. Keep on keeping on. If we're not used to keeping on keeping on, then when that blessing comes, if it comes and God wants to bring it, he may withhold it for longer because we're not ready. You're not ready for the test of my blessing. But if he does send it anyway, and we're not prepared, and the nets of our lives are not properly washed and properly mended, then we won't be able to take the blessing. We'll spoil the blessing. Those fish will come in one end, and they'll come out the other end. The other thing I want to say as we finish tonight is that God is mending the nets of discipleship both in a personal level. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life. What's he doing? He, he, he is mending your net, the net of your life. He is mending the holes in your life so that you can, you can contain the blessing and so that when he casts you out increasingly, you will bring in more of the harvest than he wants. God is working, mending, sewing up the holes in our lives, making us whole. He's at work in our lives so that when God comes, it will be amazing. Look at the shock, the amazement that were on their minds when God turned up. I thought about what it must be like to die and go to heaven. It wasn't one of my depressing stages. I was just sort of thinking about it. And I thought, you know, the moment that you go to be in heaven, you're going to be in front of the Lord. And you're going to be like, oh my God, it was real all along. You are going to be shocked, amazed in the presence of God. You're going to, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be like these people here. God wants people that are going to be ready because God wants to move. How many believe that God wants to move? Not just like, yeah, of course he does with charismatics, we say that all... But God wants to show his glory. How many of you know God wants to bring us to a place where Peter is? But not shocked, but ready. Prepared. So that we can be amazed, but not undone. Because we know who Jesus is. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Maybe you're here tonight. And you're one of the fish that got away. But somehow God has brought you here tonight. Maybe you feel that God has been on your case. But you've been slipping away. But 
tonight, God is casting his net. Not for fish, but for souls of men and women. To catch you away from destruction, from sin, from darkness. And to bring you into eternal life. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us deserve destruction. We live in a fallen world and we're a fallen people. But thank God he didn't leave us that way, but he sent his own son to become one of us and to die on the cross to carry our sin so that we wouldn't be punished. He was punished instead. God was both just and saviour. He was saviour because the father sent his son and he was just because instead of punishing us that believe, he punished his son. The moment you believe that Jesus is who he said he is and that he died for your sin and rose again, the moment you truly believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, then a divine transaction takes place. You are pronounced not guilty because of Jesus' death. And all that Jesus took on him and cross, all of your sin and my sin, all of that is taken out of your life and you are caught for the Lord. How many people with every head bowed here tonight you say I want to be caught by the Lord tonight I want to be rescued from the sea of sin, pain and the devil and judgment I want to be washed and cleaned I want to be forgiven by my Father in heaven I believe that Jesus died for me and now I want to live for him and I want to go out tonight knowing in my heart that I'm right with God because of Jesus' sacrifice. If that's you here tonight, I want you to lift your hand right now to the Father. I'm going to pray for you. Downstairs, upstairs in the balcony also, consolidate. Hands up. So I can pray for you, but really you're lifting your hand to the Lord. He lifted himself up naked on a cross for you. Now you're saying, I need you, Lord. I believe. Catch me. You've caught me, Lord. I'm yours. Father, I pray for those who have lifted their hands. And I say, Father, by the authority of your gospel, pronounce their sins forgiven. Start of a new life. They were called from the moment they were born. And whatever they've gone through, whatever they've done, has brought them to this place. It's you, Lord, that have brought them here. Bless them and use them for your kingdom. And for the rest of us here, Lord, let's stand together and respond. What has God been speaking to you about tonight? Is it that you are in the mundane places, the washing the nets, the fixing the nets, and you don't see the purpose God has spoken to you tonight? Is it that you, you're not preparing yourself for God to do a great miracle? You've given up hope. You don't believe that God will come through. You think that everything in the past is everything that will be in the future. You've given up on a divine moment, a miraculous catch, a change of circumstance. Know that God is preparing you for something, for many things. God is at work in your life tonight. Prepare yourself. Seek the Lord where, while he may be found. Press on into him. Trust him. He's getting you ready for your future. A future and a hope. One day, he's going to turn up. Let's be ready for that. One day, He's going to turn up in the biggest turn up you could ever imagine. He's going to return. Let's be ready for that. Holy Spirit, visit us right now. Visit us right now. Fill us and touch us and heal us. Mend the nets of our lives that we can be cast as nets, kingdom nets into this world. Where there's holes, let there be the mending work of the Holy Spirit. We release
release the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives according to this word. Give us faith for a miraculous catch. For those that are in the, or feel that they're in the, the night of no fish, the night of no fruitfulness, I pray Holy Spirit come upon you. I pray Holy Spirit come upon you and do his work of encouraging, not accusing, encouraging you. Pray the Holy Spirit of faith come upon you, those of you that feel you've been in the night of catching nothing. Worked hard, toiled hard, yet looks like nothing has taken place. Yet all that time, God was preparing you that you would appreciate what's coming your way. Nothing happens by accident, my friend. Everything happens under the divine providence and purposes of God. Even the night of fruitfulness is a preparation for the day of bounty. Put your trust in the Lord again today. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. You'll make your path straight. Hallelujah. I want the ministry team to come forward. We're just going to worship the Lord for a while. If there's something specific that you want prayer for during this time, you can come forward. We'll pray for you. Believe God with you. If you just want to spend a few more minutes just soaking in the presence of the Lord, letting his word touch you and respond to him, you're welcome to do that. If you need to leave, you're welcome to go as well. But let's just turn this thing over now to the Holy Spirit. If you want to come out, leave your seats right now, and we will pray for anything that you want us to agree with prayer. We have a ministry team here that's there for you.